There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the July. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, welcoming you to another episode. And uh, I guess according to Mark Hoppus, nobody's going to like us now, but hey, what the hell, we have a, a great episode for you on this one. If you're an audio karate fan, you are going to be very stoked. If you're not an audio karate fan, I don't know what's wrong with you, but uh, keep listening anyways because you will be converted by the end of this episode. Because on this one, I am talking to Jason Camacho, guitarist of Audio Karate. And uh, if you're listening to this the day that it comes out, June 1st, 2020, um, you are listening on the 16th anniversary of uh, their sophomore record, Lady Melody, recorded by the legendary Bill Stevenson at the uh, legendary Blasting Room. And uh, my favorite audio karate record. I know they only have a couple, but uh, this is this is my favorite. I, I love this record so much. It's just so different. I mean, we, we get into it, but it's like it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's a punk record in a lot of ways. But it's so much more than that. And it's very hard to pinpoint, you know, everything or put like one label on it, I think. And, and I, I think that's part of what makes it so special and, uh, you know, why why 16 years later we're still talking about it. And, uh, you know, we talk about that. We talk about their great, great new, uh, like, new slash old, I guess, because it was recorded uh, back in the day when they uh, still were around the first time. But uh, Malo, which came out last year on Wiretap Records, really good stuff. We get into all of that. And, uh, hey, you know what? I, I will uh, tell you that uh, later on after the interview, I may even have an unreleased audio karate B-side from uh, Lady Melody to be sharing with you all thanks to uh, Jason. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, get get stoked for this episode because Jason Jason was so fun to talk to. This is the second time on the show. I, I had him on back in 2018 on the radio show for our 100th episode. He was nice enough to come on and uh, be our guest, which is also insane because uh, right now, as far as the radio show goes, this is episode 23 of the podcast, but we're up to episode 192 of the radio show. And like, since I knew I was going to be having Jason on again, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, shit, how did we have almost another hundred episodes since the last time he was on? Like that absolutely blows my mind. And, uh, you know, if you if you do want to hear that as well, I mean, if you're an audio karate fan, I got to say the last time we talked more, that was like right after they reformed. And uh, we talked a lot about Space Camp because they just released on vinyl. So, I mean, really, with that interview and this one, you can kind of listen through them. And it's cool because we've basically now gotten a rundown of, uh, like, all their records, you know. So, so I don't know. It's kind of neat. So, if you want to check that one out, that is our, uh, our latest throwback episode from a few weeks ago. It's like, I don't know, like three episodes back in the feed or whatever. You can definitely go find it. But yeah, this is this episode. I love doing so much. I talked to him last week about uh, this record. And I mean, just leading up to it, I was so excited. He was so much fun the first time we talked. And uh, this time was even more fun. And we got to talk even longer, which uh, was very, very cool. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else because we have a ton right now about audio karate. So I mean, we'll get right into it. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Power Chord Hour. And, uh, you know, as always, thanks just for checking out the show and uh, spreading the word. Tell all your punk friends to check this shit out. And right now we got Jason Camacho of Audio Karate talking Lady Melody and Malo and a whole lot more right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. 
On the Power Chord Hour, we are talking to audio karate guitarist Jason Camacho. And 16 years ago, the band released the cult classic Lady Melody on June 1st, 2004 on Kung Fu Records. While the band did record more music after Lady Melody, it only finally saw the light of day last year on their new album, Malo. And uh, we're going to get into that, going to get into Lady Melody, talk all about audio karate. So let's get right into it. Jason, man, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is, you know, it's it's crazy. I was thinking this earlier. It's insane that uh, we had you on. It was two years ago, and Audio Karate just got back together. And, I mean, I, I want to ask you, I mean, just even thinking back to the first time we talked, two years later, I mean, were you expecting all of this? You guys have played all these shows. You released music. Like, was any of that in the plan when uh, you guys got back together two years ago? No, uh, completely not. And it's been uh, very humbling how well we've been received back and some of the opportunities we've been given. We thought we'd do two or three local shows in LA and put out the record and that'd kind of be that. And uh, two trips to Fest, shows with Descendants, shows with Unwritten Law. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate, so it's, it's cool. Having fun. And then I also remember when we were talking, which uh, it, it kind of blew my mind. I, gave, I had a lot of respect for you because you said, you know, you hadn't played guitar for a, uh, quite a while in between and I know you picked it back up for audio karate have you uh like I mean outside of playing in the band again have you have you picked up guitar much for fun and I mean also you know like getting back into it after that time not playing do you, do you feel like you're uh I don't know like you're like the way you play do you feel like that's changed at all like have you picked anything up picking the guitar back up after being absent for so long well whoever said playing guitar should be fun <laughs> it's like totally torturous it's um you know, it's a thing where I feel like, hey, wait a minute, I can't quite do that the way I used to. And it's just me constantly insecurely comparing myself to way better guitar players. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I've, I've, yeah, since been doing it a lot more. And I've, I've recently got an acoustic guitar for my birthday. And I'm setting up a, a home studio again. Oh, like nice. I had around the time. Yeah, around like I had around the time for Molo. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, um, I don't know, maybe start writing and see if anything meaningful can come out of it. That's pretty cool. Have you started building a studio yet or no? Cause like I'm thinking about it and it's like, it's crazy, but even in the short amount of time from when you guys had that studio before, I bet it's so much cheaper and easier now to do home recording like that. Like I bet that stuff's only gotten like, you know, like easier and probably a lot more accessible too. Cause what, what year did you yeah. guys do that first studio? Like Oh six. Yeah. Oh five. We started buying stuff by Oh six. Uh, the studio was built and we had gear and I was able to kind of track us and do some of the mixes and edits in earnest. Uh, the accessibility is crazy. It's just so much cheaper to get a, a pro tools rig up and running that you know you can you can track at a quality that once it's sent to a, a real studio to get mixed no one will know the difference maybe some you know andy wallace or something could listen and go oh, this guy <laughs> recorded this in his in his bedroom but i think most of what people are accustomed to listening to now um it's stuff that in some capacity is being done at home. Whereas when we were doing space camp and lady melody, I mean, we were doing those in real studios. I mean, blasting room, they've got the SSL console. They've got probably half a million to a million dollars worth of gear. 
And I love that stuff, but I mean, you're right. It's like unless you're someone like an Andy Wallace or maybe like a Bill Stevenson or something, you're probably not going to know or even really care that like, hey, yeah, we, we could make this like in our garage. Like we can record this anywhere. I, I think most people don't realize that. And I, I don't think they mind either, you know. No, they don't. Even if you're Bill Stevenson, we so we were in a group text thread when we had finished Malo and we're like, hey, we should send this to Bill. And we were all chicken shit and afraid to do so because we were concerned that he was going to listen to it and go, what is this shit? And not like it. Right. Uh, so Art sent it to him. And then we he sent like a screenshot of the text back and Bill liked the record. So we were happy. So. See, you can do an at-home record that uh, <laughs> that guys with ridiculous hearing and ridiculous audio talents will, could maybe uh, be into. Yeah, I give credit. I mean, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, that's a pretty ballsy move, sending music to Bill. That's a uh, that's one where, yeah, I feel like that would crush me if uh, if you didn't get back praise. So uh, that, that that's cool. It gets the uh, Bill Stevenson, uh, you know, seal of approval on that. Dude, if no one else likes it, Bill does. Uh, <laughs> Bill and his son Miles do. So that's kind of our. That's our target audience. Like, will Bill like this? If Bill does, okay, then who cares if anyone else gets it or digs it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean that 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 should be the that should be the uh, gold standard. And you know, last time we talked, you know, we talked a good amount about recording Space Camp at the time you guys just put that out on vinyl. And uh, you know, if people are listening to this the day it comes out, we're actually uh, doing this on the uh, 16th anniversary of Lady Melody. If you're listening to this on June 1st. But, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to get into that, and, I mean, I feel like most people would agree with this, and you can tell me as someone who's in the band, but, I mean, Lady Melody, just such a total shift from uh, Space Camp. Like, I feel like you guys had, like, I love it. Like, I mean, just listening, I, I love that record, but I've been listening more and more, you know, as I've been getting ready for the interview, and it's like, it's so hard to pinpoint one genre on Lady Melody. You guys basically made a record that I don't think sounds like anything else anyone else did. And I'm just like wondering, like, like in between Space Camp and Lady Melody, was that like, was there ever like a conscious effort or was there a thing that like influenced you guys to kind of take it to that different sound? Or I mean, is that just what happens after four guys are playing together for so long? You know, is that like an organic kind of thing? Um, a big part of it, I think, is the organic progression of we started touring in earnest after Space Camp and you're you're now living in a van with guys that you've grown up with but you're listening to just the same records over and over and you're out with bands who are going oh dude have you you're getting turned on to so much more music i mean this is still in essence the pre-streaming pre kind of internet era where you're hoping someone in another band or something will kick you down a, a cd to listen to in the van for a couple of days um non-stop but I, I think the biggest shift was some of the songs like senior year um, that ended up on space camp, we wrote when we were like 17 and 18 years old and we just needed enough material for that first record for Kung Fu. So by the time we started working on lady melody, we're now 20, 21. We've been playing as a band for eh, six, seven years, depending on whose timetable you want to use. Um, so we were we were a lot more prepared in that regard. We had some more time on the books in terms of, of playing. And uh, while we were listening to like a lot of Lagwagon and a lot more sort of the fat era punk um, prior to Space Camp, 
we had gotten kind of like everyone did around 2001 and two. We're listening to a lot of At the Drive-In and Jimmy World and, and No Knife, huge influence. Um, but we, we were also consciously trying not to sound like any band. And we were pretty hard on ourselves to, hey, that riff is cool, but it sounds just like the riff on whatever. Okay, cool. We can't use that. Uh, we, we really wanted to just do our, our own thing. And Bill was hugely supportive and, and Joe Escalani at, at Kung Fu um, was beyond supportive. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a punk rocker. He's, he's kind of a pop punk guy. And we were bringing in the demos for Lady Melody and they were a little more screamy and the chords were a little more discordant and kind of darker stuff. Um, he could have maybe pushed back with, yeah, that's cool, but you know, why don't you lighten it up a bit and go tour with the Ataris or something? And he was 100% like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, whatever you and, and Bill Stevenson come up with will be a good record and go make the record you guys want to make. So all, all these years later, I, I still really owe Joe a, a debt of gratitude. That's really cool. And I mean, I, I feel like it shines like really, like I said, like how you can't pinpoint a genre on it. I really think you guys were very successful as that is like not trying to be like something else. Cause I really can't, I mean, you can hear influences in there like, okay, that makes sense. Like, you know, okay. Listen to like at the driver, listen to that, but it's not like you guys ever sounded like straight up, like one band on there. Like I, I, I think the, the hybrid and the mesh of all those just worked so well. And do you remember the first song at all that you guys worked on for lady melody? Can, can you remember the first one that came out of that? So the first six and God, I wish, I wish I could like phone a friend and call art or something. Um, the first six songs we demoed, we did with Gabe from Tsunami Bomb's dad. Oh, he really? Had a, a pretty cool, yeah, he had a pretty cool studio and we had been writing. So we did Catch and Release, uh, She Looks Good, which didn't make it on the record, Segway, which didn't make it on the record, Lady Melody, and um, Miss Foreign Friendly. And uh, who brings a knife to a gunfight? And what stands out to me about that is if I had to pick the songs that I like least on that record, it's all those. <laughs> so we sent. It. So Chris Martinez, uh, who was working at Kung Fu at the time, sent that demo to Bill Stevenson, and he said, "I kind of like it. This might be something I want to do, but have him write some more songs and." And we'll see. So then we wrote Jesus is Alive and One Living in Mexico. And um, I think Lexington Queen and Hey Maria. And by the time Bill heard those, he was like, yeah, 100%. I have to do the record. I want to do it. And um, we, we, we hooked up. Oh, so I mean, a lot of that then was, uh, or at least even even if they're like in the early stages, you had most of the songs written then by the time you got to the studio. Then, because I'm like thinking about that, that's most of Lady Melody then, right? Yeah. So by the time we hit pre-production, um, which Bill flew out, he stayed at my mom's house, and if you ask him, if you ever come across him, ask him about my mom's cooking. That was probably the highlight of doing Lady Melody for him. <laughs> really. Um, Oh, dude, yeah. He, he loves Mexican food, and, and my mom, she's, she's the real deal, so. Oh, nice. He, he had the legit article, but 
I've got the demos and I've been trying to come up on a way to put them up on our YouTube or something. We had those songs about 95% dialed in. Um, Bill, I know he can get involved with the songwriting, but uh, I think we shaved maybe like a verse path or something like that. There wasn't any real, it was kind of mild, minor arrangement stuff. There wasn't any real co-writing involved. Um, I think the last song that we had ready to go was Gypsy Queen. Because um, I still remember kind of writing the solo in the studio and hashing out some of the more noodly stuff and finding something that kind of worked. And uh, let me see. Um, God, what's, what's song number five? You think I would know this? <laughs> Ooh, what is you know what? I have iTunes right here. I will t- I will tell you right now what track number three. five is because I can't remember. Did you say three? Uh, five. Oh, five. Oh, a whole lot of weight. I couldn't remember the so name either. A whole either. lot of weight. Um, we Bill probably had the biggest hand on that. It was more straight away, and then doing the, the staccato kind of crunching during the verses was was all Bill and the the clean tremolo guitar. And then, but uh, yeah, no, we we went we went to the studio pretty much ready to make the record, and I, I hope to get those demos up much sooner than later so people can kind of hear uh, the, the early versions, and they're pretty close to what ended up on the record. Oh, I, I feel like I can speak for for anyone else who is a fan. I I would absolutely love to hear those the the comparison and, and hear how they start out. That would uh that would definitely be cool. And how about for like Bill as a producer? I mean, like how. How is he as a producer? Is he on your ass when things aren't going right? Is he kind of more laid back? Like, what is it like working with Bill Stevenson? How does he get the best out of you? Um, well, <laughs> I know for us, one of the first punk bands we kind of collectively latched onto, being probably you know, 12 years old, was Descendants, and, and Milo goes to college. Um, so at sort of a, a base level, when you work with someone with Bill who's written incredible songs and has been in Black Flag and Descendants and is, you know, he's written some of the best punk songs ever. Anything he says carries so much weight, right? Oh, or yeah. I think sometimes can work with producers that the label wanted them to or half the band is like, hey, I like this guy and the other half's like, yeah, whatever, I'm not impressed. Uh, you take the input maybe with a, a hint of skepticism, whereas whatever Bill had to say, we were like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the dude has an incredible ear. I know we did uh, like an enhanced version for the CD where there was videos of us. That's my daughter. She wants to play Peppa Pig. But <laughs> videos of us working, you can't slip anything by him. Like if you pull a note flat on the guitar or when Art was burning out his voice every day because he'd have him seeing a pass, 10 times and he's like yeah that's good but not the one and he would just kind of shake his head no <laughs> like there would be no yelling there was no like mind games of hey i'm gonna get in your head and get you to draw out emotion he was just like no you guys write killer songs i love these songs you guys can play your asses off and he would just give you like a little nod no and that's when you knew like that's um that's not the one and conversely when he nodded yes 100 you knew like okay that's that's it. You can't do it any better. I feel like that would definitely help having a producer where, like you said, where all of you guys can respect them. So not like, you know what I mean? It's not like just one of you is like, I'm a fan of this guy. And the rest of you are like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's why I picked them. If you have that mutual respect, you definitely need that. 
And I, I like to hear that too, the bluntness of it, where it's like, he's not going to screw these. It's just like, yeah, it's not very good, man. <laughs> like, I feel, I feel like that's more helpful, you know? But uh, like comparing him to, like, I was wondering, you know, because because working with Bill, who I mean, at that point, I mean, he'd already been, I mean, obviously already decades of, uh, you know, being Bill Stevenson, the drummer. But even at that point, I mean, the blasting room, he'd been doing that for like over a decade. So, I mean, comparing comparing to like working with him and then working with like Trevor Keith, a face to face on Space Camp, where that was like you guys were like one of the first bands he worked with. Do you like was Bill like was Bill kind of more do you feel like hands on and was more like. Like he could, he would tell you more what he wanted out of it than, than maybe Trevor, who was a little more new, you know what I mean? Like Trevor was a little more new to like talking to bands and giving direction. Like, like, do you feel like Bill kind of had more of like, he could just tell you exactly what he wanted. He could be more blunt like that, you know? Bill wanted us to make just, I mean, as weird as it sounds, he's in a band too. He's a musician. So, I mean, granted Trevor is as well. He didn't really have an agenda for the record. It was just, Hey, I've got two weeks. I love the songs. My job is to get your best version. Um, I think a big difference with working at the Blasting Room is he and Jason Livermore, that's their home. Those dudes, at least in those days, they were there seven days a week, I'd imagine all year. Wow. So once you get there, there is no exper- experimentation. There is no, oh, hey, I haven't worked in this room. I haven't worked on this console. They know every piece of gear they've got. And they kind of have a, a system of how they're going to get the record done um, as quickly as, as they possibly can. They're highly, highly, highly efficient. So, I mean, even down to we, we fucking slept at the studio. Oh, you nice. Know, we, we, uh, yeah, so you would wake up and be like, oh, shit, I think I hear bass being tracked. So you'd wake up and be like, yeah, it's bass time or where's Art? Oh, he's burning out his voice again. Um <laughs> In that regard, it's very different. Whereas when we did Space Camp, we we did it at West Beach with Trevor, and I don't think he had done a record there yet. He maybe had done one, so it's it's not home it's not home base, you know. Oh yeah, no that that uh that definitely makes sense. That's that's another way where uh, yeah that would definitely help if you know like the ins and outs like that. And for like guitars on the record too, like for you. Did you have, like, a main guitar and amp that you used on most of Lady Melody? Or, I mean, did you kind of screw around? Did you kind of, like, from song to song use different, different uh, you know, like, like amps and whatnot? No, so Space Camp, we mixed it up, and I don't think I played my own guitar at all. I was using some of Trevor's and some of the studios. For Lady Melody, I used my, uh, God, it was an American Strat with a Seymour Duncan, I think, Little 59 in the bridge. And I used that all the way through with one of Bill's uh, JCM, I think it was a 900. Oh, nice. But once we got, yeah, once we got our tone, and I'd imagine it's probably the same 900s that they, they tour with Descendants. Um, <laughs> that's it, dude. Once you're set up, like, in that regard, Bill is, I mean, he's a punk rocker. I think Lady Melody has some elements of some other stuff, but he's like, no, fuck that. You get a guitar tone plug in and play your songs like we're not going for experimenting little nuances in tone um any songs where i have less than a fully distorted guitar like a lady melody or hey maria i was just turning the volume knobs halfway on my guitar uh there's no like clean pedal clean channel shit going on it was uh in that regard it's a punk record um no no wacky pedal board i was plugging straight into the head and just playing 
That's really and, cool. Cause like, that's a lot, like that's an aggressive, like I love your guitar on that record. And it's like, it's so loud and massive and stuff that you would think there was so much more to it. And just like, just plug and play, like go right into the, right into the head and go. Total plug and play. It was odd coming back, talking about reuniting and, and touring. Like when we were playing shows and touring a lot, you would just plug into a tuning pedal and then plug into your head and whatever your head sounded like, that was it. And now sort of punk bands and quasi punk bands within that universe have like 20 pedal pedal boards <laughs> and uh not that i'm a good guitar player but if you're shitty and your songs suck none of that's gonna fix it conversely you know the best punk songs are a minute 30 seconds and they sound those records sound like shit yet they're the best and people listen to them 30 40 years later right Oh, oh, I'm totally with you. I mean, you, a phaser pedal isn't, if your song's shit, your phaser, distortion pedal, that ain't going to change anything. There, there nothing nothing not, is going to make that better. Yeah, not a damn thing. But uh, in, in terms of Sonic, there is nothing on Lady Melody I would change. Um, no, no, not a thing. There's not an acoustic guitar I would have wanted to add or any amount of experimentation. Um the record kicks. I mean, I only put it on if I have time to listen to it start and fit, start to finish because I really like it. I think it's a cool record. Oh, definitely. And like when you were when you were tracking guitar on there too, was there any was there either like a solo or even just a riff that like was just just kind of an ass kicker in the studio? You know what I mean? It just took a bunch of takes and for whatever reason it was just really tough to do. Did you did you have any of that on there? Yeah, the whole record. I'm not <laughs> a very <record>. good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a very good guitar player. Um, I'm, a, I think, maybe a little more creative than I am uh, an exceptional player. So I wrote these songs and came up with these kind of weird finger pattern things where I'm like, shit, now I've got to do this without pulling my guitar out of tune. And I've got Bill and Jason and their perfect hearing going, nope, you're pulling sharp. Nope, you're pulling sharp. Um yeah, the whole record kind of kicked my ass. I, we're playing at the top of our limits. I, I find you play with bands and they write simple songs and then you're listening to soundcheck and these dudes can shred like, you know, Steve Vai or something, but they play really, really simple music. Whereas Lady Melody, you're hearing all of us playing at the very top of our register. Those are the, that's the heaviest, craziest Gabriel could play drums. That Tusto making his fingers bleed. Um, you can hear art basically singing himself flat and just to the bones, right? I mean, the dude was like spitting blood, basically. <laughs> That's it. That's peak audio karate. We can't play any better. We weren't dumbing anything down for the sake of whatever reason a band might um, do it. We, we were really going kind of for all, for lack of better words. <laughs> no, that's perfect. What, that, is there a better word, though? You were working with Bill. You have to go for all. And that was kind of his thing. He was like, no, like, I like these songs because they're kind of fucked up. And um, he said one thing that, that really stands out. He said, uh, for the bridge on Jesus Alive and Well, he's like, what you're playing on guitar is wrong. Like, it's wrong. That fundamentally kind of music nerds shouldn't work. But you guys are playing it with with conviction in such a way where it just works. That's amazing. Um, yeah, which which kind of stands out for me as like, okay, I think that's a compliment. Like, it, we're playing wrong, but it works. I'll take that. I would take that as a compliment. I mean, I'm I'm telling you too. Like, 
you you are a, if you if you don't feel like you're a good bass player or not a good bass player a, a good guitar player you hide it well on that record there there is some uh there's some great shit on there man i, I on, honestly you do some uh neat things and like for guitar too i mean because i feel like that might also go with part of your technique did you like did you ever take lessons or you just kind of teach yourself because i feel like a lot of people who end up having technique techniques like that kind of teach themselves and you kind of make your own like you know what i mean like you make your own kind of style like like was that you would you say yeah totally i couldn't tell you what uh root minor i don't know the word for any of what i do and for any of what we we do and certainly what we were doing then you know what though you don't that just shows though you don't you don't need to you can know all the theory in the world but it doesn't matter you you need to be able to play you know you need to have feeling back there i feel like you uh I don't know. I feel like you did that very well on that record. You have a favorite. You have a favorite song on that to play live. Is there a is there a song on Lady Melody you enjoy playing the most? Uh, I like playing Gypsy Queen the most because it's just really noodly and kind of flashy. Um, that's a fun one. Jesus Alive and Well is a fun song to play because it's just it's in my opinion an, an objectively pretty good song it's got a good bridge has a good intro the verse and chorus are, are fantastic and and art i think that's some of the best like lyrics and just general songwriting um art art did uh certainly around that time and then up until last year you know lady melody was obviously the last album you guys put out but like we've been talking about malo finally uh came out last year on uh, wiretap records and uh, their songs that you had originally recorded, I know, I know back back originally in uh, in you said like oh five oh six or so. So like like going through real quick, like how did that start? If you just want a real quick kind of rundown, like getting the studio and recording these, like like when were these songs originally recorded? What were they originally to be used for? So the plan was, I mean, if you can kind of mentally think back to the end of oh four, early oh five. Um, You've got your Thursdays, your Thrice, your Ataris, your Rise Against, AFI. All those bands were putting out major label records, right? I mean, that was kind of the the peak in my mind of most of your main stage Warp Tour bands were um, selling half a million to a million copies and and kind of blowing up. So naively, we figured, well, we'll demo some songs. And we'll see if we can get released from our contract from Kung Fu and uh, shop them around. Um, luckily, we ended up doing kind of good demos and based on how we write songs. They were basically complete songs anyway. They weren't just sort of scratch pad ideas. Uh, in retrospect, and you think to all those bands after, they all kind of ended up back on your larger indies, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the, the contract we had with Kung Fu was, was ridiculous in retrospect. It was awesome. Uh, we would have gotten $40,000 to make Malo. Oh, and then our fourth record would have been an option, which I'm sure Joe would have given us. And uh, we would have gotten a hundred grand to make that record. And it was starting to get cheaper and we probably could have made it for 20 and then, you know, spent the 80,000 on Hyundai's or something. <laughs> Some nice Hyundai's. I, I, I like that. that. That is a pretty, uh, that seems like a, a pretty good deal like that was. Yeah. That that's a, that's a nice budget for recording. Yeah, and it's totally different now. Like, I love Wiretap, and Rob's a fantastic dude, but Rob's not giving his band his band's money to make records, right? You you come to Rob with a record, and if it's done and he likes it, 
and he thinks he, you know it's something he believes in and he's down with and he'll put it out but i don't know that anyone aside from much larger indies or uh your major labels are still giving people money to make records i don't i don't think so that 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 yeah i don't i don't think uh I feel like most labels aren't. It's all it's all just changed so much that yeah, I feel like that's the norm now, you know? Yeah. It's hey, make it in your bedroom and everyone can make pretty damn good sounding records now. Maybe a little a little flat and a little a little polished, a little over compressed for, for my blood. Um but yeah, people people can make records at home that pass. I like I like what Bill's does at the blasting room it still sounds like a real band playing in a real room through real microphones and not just a series of emulators and and different shit like that oh yeah and and when you did find when you found these songs uh it would have been like two years ago now right you found them in 2018 yes so like when you when you found those songs like how finished were they from what we hear like like were there already song titles and whatnot with them or did you have to kind of go back and fix them up a little before they were released uh, so we're horrible about song titles, just as horrible as art is about song lyrics. I mean, there's no proper lyrics for any of the songs on Milo, right? Because half of it's just sort of phonetic James Brown gibberish that he was writing on the fly. Um, <laughs> those songs, those are most of those songs. That's the first time he ever sang it. Really? Uh, yeah. The overall, the parts were all there. I tweaked some arrangements i'd be lying if i didn't say I, I didn't chop out like a chorus or a verse here and there um but no basically what you're hearing is the music was about 90 95 done and i would have art sing it two or three times front to back and he would just kind of make up almost like jay-z kind of like a hip-hop dude you, you hear about these rappers who they don't have notebooks they just start singing yeah that's kind of what he did for the songs on malo and I would get two or three really good takes. And what you're hearing is just the, the comping of those two or three good takes into sort of a, a coherent kind of a vocal. That's, in, that's honestly impressive. That stuff, it, it kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier about like recording in your house and most people can't tell. I, I would never think that was just a first take or that that was just kind of on the fly like that. That's honestly amazing. I mean, it, so, it sounds like a, like a final produced album. You know, that's that's so crazy to me. And I love I love the album cover for it. It may be my, like, favorite Audio Karate uh, album cover. Who did who did the artwork for that? Well, that's because our other album covers are really bad. I think Lady <laughs> Melody is, like, the worst album cover <laughs> ever. But I, I've got a good story about that. Um, I would love to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Sergio Salcedo, he's from Mexican City, Mexico City, and I um, somehow came across him on Instagram, and I was like, holy shit, this stuff is so cool. And um, one of the things we're kind of fortunate about is we're not a huge band by any stretch, but um, we've done some things, and certainly like the, the teenagers of yesterday that listened to us are now sort of working professionals and graphic design and different stuff like that. So I shot him a message like, Hey, your stuff is really cool. We're doing a record. Uh, could we use something? And I got a response like in 10 minutes and he's like, yeah, what, whatever you want to do. So no, that artwork is, is sick. It's memorable and it's um, bold and it's, it's unique. I dig it. Conversely, Lady Melody, that's the shittiest artwork ever. And the only reason why I think it's cool 
is because it's so shitty and the record is by and large uh people that love like our band really really like that record it's just so bad though uh joe escalante we took him the record and we're like hey the record's done and he's like yeah i heard it i i really like it good job you, you guys made a great record it's like what's up with this artwork and then we had some stupid contrived well you know it's wood to show it's like organic and I'll never forget this fucking direct quote. Joe says, uh, yeah, how am I going to sell wood? <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because it's true. And again, you think about what artwork looked at the time and um, your, your Thursdays of the world were putting out these kind of dark record covers with like sort of graffiti type stuff on it and dark themes. And it was kind of swoosh hair uh and that sort of era and then here's this weird record with a white background and a bunch of panels of wood but i think <laughs> over time it just adds to the yeah there's kind of no record like lady melody right no there's it, not it stands, it stands aside in someone's uh punk rock and kind of pop punk um collection so yeah that work is shit there's kind of no two ways about it <laughs> uh in retrospect joe probably should have just said well I'm, I'm taking executive action here and uh, we're going to give you a new album cover and maybe would have, maybe we would have sold more records or something, but uh, in retrospect, it, it's all right, I guess. You were redeemed on Malo though. That's such a good, that is so like, that's such great artwork. It's been redeemed. You know, it, it, if nothing else, you guys reunited so you could put out a new album cover. Look at it. Look at it that way. You know? Anything going forward will have good artwork. I, I, I'm <laughs> confident on that. Uh, we were able to, yeah, with with the singles. Yeah, sweetie, hold, hold on. We'll, we'll, Daddy will sit down in a second. With the single that we did for Bounce before Milo. Um, remember the band The Sleeping? They were on Victory. I've heard of them. I don't know any of their songs. I have heard that name before. Okay. Good band. They were around sort of after after we were doing our thing and I kind of stopped listening to, to music, but um, Doug Robinson, their singer uh, has become a friend since. And uh, he did the photo for that. And then a guy, Riley Herrera, um, who's in the band night verses and they're just crazy good. So we, we've had, we, where I'm going with this is we now get to kind of pick and choose the artists that we work with. Um, Chris Sherry, who does, you know, Oh yeah, the, he just did those yeah. Uh, portraits. Chris, yeah, he's he does so the good. Stuff he does the portraits. Yeah, so now we can hit up a Chris and be like, "Hey, can we commission something for a, a project?" And it doesn't go into the void of the DMs. It we actually get a response and we get to work with some amazing people. So we'll have good artwork from from now on. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, we're going to be putting something out maybe end of this year, early next year. So it'll have good artwork. Um, I hope. And I, I would say anyone uh, anyone now should go check out it. He was on your Instagram. Those, those portraits he did, Chris, those are so fucking cool. Any, anyone should go check those out. He did, a, he did a great job on those for you guys. Yeah, it's crazy that that stuff takes them all of like 20 minutes too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's stupid that he's just able to make these like, yeah, that totally looks like Gabriel. That looks like me. Like, And it's, it's just a nothing. But I guess that's what, when you're really good, Kind of what you're able to do yeah i guess, I guess it doesn't so. take you 500 takes or whatever like uh mediocre guitar players <laughs> and and outside of uh the songs that we heard on a uh, malo 
Were there any other songs in those sessions that just weren't released? I mean, were there, a, like, how many songs, I guess, did you find all together? Uh, so we have three more that we just got back from mastering. And one of them um, as kind of a, an homage to, to Lady Melody. So um, Emily uh, M from, she, she was formerly in Tsunami Bomb, so Agent M. Lady Melody, the song, was loosely about her. Um not like in a romantic way, but like some of the lyrics about singing like a mom and all that. We toured with them, you know, like hundred plus shows. So we were always around, but uh, she actually sang a duet with art for one of the songs from the Malo era where I sent it to her. I'm like, Hey, it feels like it needs like a harmony and a backing vocal. Uh, can you see if you could do something with it? And she killed it. So that's going to be one of the songs. And then um, there's a song called, Care Carelessly, that's pretty heavy on the piano, which I don't know if you, you listen to Indian School much, but you could kind of oh, hear yeah. where things were going that way, even though I didn't play in that band. Um, so this, is then, al- this almost sounds like if you were in Indian School then, it almost sounds like a version with you in it. Yeah, kind of. It's basically like if, uh, take your sort of Indian School style songs, but uh, put me back on the guitar. Oh, I want to hear that. It, yeah, which I guess is what sort of makes the audio karate. I mean, 100% Art's voice is audio karate and makes us audio karate, but uh, I think it only works if the four of us, and if any one of us isn't playing, um, sort of the chemistry is, is just not right to make audio karate music. Nice. that Yeah, and I, you know, I never thought of that. You guys really have never had a lineup change, have you? It's just been you four. Yeah, um, Pretty much. Uh, We had Mike from Rufio sit in a couple times, but uh, even then, and he's a fantastic drummer, um, no one can kind of do what Gabe does, and no one can do what Husto does, and people can do a lot better than what I can do, but it's what fits Audio Karate. So, yeah, um, we've been fortunate that we either do it together and we we do Audio Karate or we don't, and that's kind of cool. Nice. And, you know, as we start, uh, you know, kind of closing up here, I did want to ask you, I know one of the last shows you guys played, I wish I could have been at, back in November, you guys played in uh, Colorado at that 25th anniversary show for the Blasting Room. How did that end up going for you? Like, that was like in a really small club, right? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's probably uh, got a, like a 700 capacity venue. So I can't, rem- I don't know, and I probably can't remember the last time Rise Against played somewhere that small it's probably been years yeah what a decade at least right um that was awesome because we we were hagfish guys growing up they they got played on k-rock back in la and we we love the hagfish records and um i had seen all once but i don't think the rest of the band had seen all so to see them and descendants and rise against and all these bands it was stupid like we felt completely out of place um, so in, in terms of like, we felt out of place cause it's like, Hey, there's all these really, really good bands. And then audio karate, like wait, what, <laughs> what's going on there. But I, I think that, um, I think that's a, a testament, uh, to sort of lady melody and how Bill and the blasting room, they've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of records but lady melody isn't the best selling by any stretch it's probably one of the worst but it's a special record and um 
Bill's proud of it and Jason and we're beyond proud of it. So uh, I think that show kind of validated to us like, hey, we really did make a good record and, and a special record. And it's still um, it's still providing us with opportunities. And, and we're so happy that we were able to make it with the people that we did. That's awesome. And I mean, that now was that that was like the last show you guys played, right? That, that did you play anything else after that? Uh, hmm. No, that was it. That was, uh, last one? That was after that. Yeah. And then this whole, you know, everything with, with shutting down the venues has happened and I've since moved to Oregon. So the rest of the guys are still down in, in Southern California and I'm up here. So even once things open up, I think audio karate shows are going to be maybe few and far between. We might do a weekend or two here, but, um, I think, uh, if you didn't catch us back in the day and you didn't catch us these last two years, you probably won't. I, I don't know. Oh, really? We, we want to yeah, we want to do stuff, but it's just becoming increasingly difficult. I mean, hell, I can't have a 30 minute phone call with you without, uh, demands of, of playing Peppa Pig. So. <laughs> no, it definitely but, sounds, sounds like you keep your hands full. And I mean, that, that seems like too, including, it sounds like you all, you guys do other things outside of the band too. I'm sure it's not like the number one priority that it may have been, you know, when you're like 21 or whatever. No. And I think that, no, 100%. And that added to, um, there's no way we could ever make another record like a lady melody where we were living, breathing, sleeping. All we were doing was audio karate and we were basically together all the time. And, um, while we're all friends now, there's a lot more history and a lot more kind of baggage that comes with it. But at the time, uh, we were, we were as tight, um, musically and personally as we have ever been. And I think that we were able to capture that and Bill was able to put that, uh, down on tape for us. And again, we're, we're really fortunate about it. We're hoping to get it reissued on vinyl, um, sometime soon. We've been talking to Kung Fu about that. So uh, I think we'll do a, a small run and I don't know, maybe we'll be jerks and just do a really, really small run and the people that want it will get it and then we'll, we'll never press it again or something. <laughs> I, and actually that makes me happy because I was going to ask you that too. If, uh, you know, obviously Space Camp's on vinyl, Malo's on vinyl, vinyl, it makes sense that, uh, yeah, Lady Melody eventually gets, I don't know, maybe you could do a deluxe edition and put those demos you were talking about some of those rough ones, you do like a deluxe uh, Lady Melody sometime. I, I think people would like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll hit them with 12 unlistenable versions <laughs> of the Lady Melody songs. Um, we do have one song, Segway, that was recorded in those sessions, and that didn't end up released on anything. Um, she Looks Good ended up on some compilations, uh, ended up on some compilations and stuff, but Segway's just kind of a a different song so maybe we could throw that on on side b as a as a little extra bonus or something and revised artwork you could re-release it with revised artwork if you'd like no the, the <laughs> art, think of it this way like everyone who has a vinyl collection and all these vinyl heads that gets to be the ugliest album cover <laughs> so that makes it special right why not do, why would we change that you should put it out as a seven inch box set and each seven inch is just one of those pieces of wood each cover is just a di- is just a different wood panel. That that would that's the ultimate collector's edition. 
Yeah, it's like uh, Hey Maria is on Douglas Fir, and <laughs> Jesus is Alive and Well is on Pine. I don't know what we were thinking, dude. I, I really don't. Oh, uh, no, you know what, though? The music's good. It kind of goes back to like we were talking about with pedals and stuff. It's like you can, I mean, you can have the world's greatest looking album cover, but if the thing that's on the CD is bullshit, no, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't care how nice your, your cover looks. You know, it's kind of the same thing, like, you know, like we're talking about with like gear and stuff. It's like you can throw all these extra things on, but if the, you know, initial product's not good, it ain't going to work. You know, I, I think that, uh, that attests to Lady Melody all this time later, you know, 16 years later that uh we're still talking about it but you know as we're closing out here you want to tell people like where can they find audio karate online as far as vinyl goes too i mean is uh space camp and uh malo still in press like can people grab those on vinyl if they still want uh so malo we're is currently out of press but we found like 60 copies that we have from tour so we're going to be putting up a website in the next week or so um so i would watch our twitter and our our instagram uh there's 60 versions of that on a pretty cool like see-through kind of yellow beer color and then after that we have no plans to to repress that for a while um you can pick up space camp at either wiretap records or hidden home records at their websites and uh those are those you can find cd versions of lady melody on ebay for 99 cents so you can have the really uh, artwork and you could have the uh if you still have a cd-rom player you could watch the deluxe videos and all that um other than that uh we can be found on instagram at audio karate or on twitter at the audio karate and those are probably our, our most active accounts where um that's where one could keep abreast of what we're doing if I could share one more little thing about Lady Melody. Oh, totally. Um, Aim to Please has just a gnarly, gnarly, gnarly vocal, and Art sang that in one take. What? That's blowing my mind, in. all this shit he does in one yeah. take. Yeah, no no comp, no punch in. Uh, he was losing his voice, and we kind of saved that one for last. And it was basically a Hail Mary of like, hey, dude, if you blow your voice out, we probably won't finish the record and we'll have to do something else. And he went in there, sucked it up, and sang the song once, and it's probably yeah, probably my favorite vocal performance on the record because he just sounds so on the verge of losing it. And uh, that's, a, that's a fun one that we never play live because I forgot how to play the guitar. <laughs> well, nice. You know, I mean, it's been a great talk to you. It's cool, so it sounds like uh, people can expect a little more from you guys, even if it's not uh, – shows it doesn't sound like you're disappearing at least you know you're not gonna you're not gonna leave us for another uh decade or whatever it sounds like we can expect a little more out of audio karate whenever this weird shit's over whenever whenever things go back to normal basically yeah no um and really you probably don't want to see us live anyway not not very good (laughs) they're they're really 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 good live bands like uh we talked about descendants and we talked about rise again those are bands you want to see live if you happen to like get a free ticket from a friend to see Audio Karate and have no other plan, yeah, okay, maybe worth checking out. You guys are playing across the street. If you're just kind of hanging out somewhere and they're playing across the street that night, we're, we're worth going to check out. <laughs> and leave before the encore. Definitely oh, no. leave before that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that you know, this this has been a blast. We're gonna play a bunch of stuff off. Uh, really, I guess just out of your whole career and play something off everything. I'm gonna kick it off right now with one off. Uh, Malo, and I want to ask you, I'm going to start with Bounce, and Art's voice is insane on this. Is this one of those one-take ones? Because he shreds on this thing. Um, yeah, he sang that once, front to back. And again, no lyrics, it's just phonetic thing. I don't know, I guess that's how he writes his melodies and stuff. But yeah, he, he sang the song. I think he sang it twice, maybe. And that's me chopping up um, two versions of it. And that was actually the first song we wrote uh, that could have ended up on Lady Melody, but we couldn't write a song. I had that riff really early, and we never finished it until then. But yeah, that's art. Just the dude can sing. He he's definitely the real deal. He's a fantastic singer. No, I, I love this one. I think if people have not heard it, they're gonna love it. I I this would probably be a really fun one to hear live too. So uh, right now on the Power Chord Hour, we got some audio karate for you. Here is Bounce. <laughs>
Oh, I love that band so much right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. That was Audio Karate with a whole lot of weight off Lady Melody. Before that was the opener off Lady Melody. Jesus is alive and well and living in Mexico. I was laughing so hard about that part where uh, where uh, Jason was talking about how like Bill was telling him, I, th- I think it was the bridge where he's like, what you're playing on guitar makes no sense, but it just works. Like I'm just laughing at that because I'm just like including including like, I mean, I don't I don't know that Bill's like this, but. I uh, I took music theory in college, and I mean, I definitely know people who like who like music theory has ruined them, and things like that they can't get their head around. Where they go like, even though it sounds good or it sounds really cool, like no, that just doesn't make sense. Like you you can't do that. Like like the rules of music, like you you're breaking the rules of music. So uh, yeah, I was I was laughing really hard at that. But uh, opening up that block of music off Malo, you got to go check that out if you have not yet. I mean, I know Lady Melody's been out 16 years. You've had 16 years to check out uh, Lady Melody. Malo's been out about a year now if you've not checked it out. But go check that out. That was Bounce off of that record. And seriously, probably the best art. No, I'm I'm not going to say some of. That is their uh, best artwork. That is really, really cool if you uh, if you've never seen it. I, I am talking about uh, Malo and uh, not Lady Melody. That that uh that was so much fun. That was such a fun interview. Um I had so much fun talking to Jason and uh, afterwards he was very very nice enough to uh, say, "Hey man, you want to premiere an unreleased Audio Karate B-side from those Lady Melody sessions?" And I said, "Of course." Like y- like yes, like I, I there, there's no question about it. Of course I do. So uh, I, I got to hear this a few days uh, earlier, and uh, I, I love this thing. This is a great, great song, and I think you're all going to like it. Right now I have a premiere for you, and uh, it is an unreleased Lady Melody B-side. Here is Care Carelessly, another audio karate jam for you, right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast.
right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. That was Audio Karate with an unreleased B-side from the Lady Melody Sessions. That was Care Carelessly. I love that one. And uh, Jason is definitely right. Kind of has that, like, a little bit of that Indian school vibes if Jason uh, played guitar with them in that band. And, uh, yeah, really, really good. I hope you enjoy that. I don't know, but I think we can can expect to hear that sometime on something. So uh, probably not the last time you'll be hearing that song. But really, really good stuff. Care Carelessly right there from Audio Karate. And just want to thank Jason again for uh, coming on and talking about about uh, every basically everything. We talked about a tons of stuff, and uh, he was so much fun. He, he made me laugh my ass off. He just just a, just such a great guest. And uh, you know that that's about it for uh, this episode. Thank you so much for checking it out. I don't know next week to be completely honest. I don't know if we have a guest or not yet. I uh, am in the middle of some stuff, so. Maybe we'll have a guest, maybe not, but uh, we'll definitely have a show for you next week either way. And uh, we do have the radio show this Friday where, uh, actually, if you want to listen, we'll be doing a uh, two-hour episode, and uh, we'll be airing this interview, but I'm also going to be playing, like, I mean, I played a little audio karate on here, but I'm going to play a, uh, I, I, think, I think the scientific term, term is a shit ton of uh, audio karate. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll play this interview, play, play care carelessly again, and then just play you tons and tons of audio karate and uh, a bunch of other like punk and alternative as well. Basically more bands in the vein of audio karate, like just, just a two hour, just punk fest. So, uh, you know, if you want to tune into that next, uh, or not next Friday, this Friday at a uh, 10 Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And if you don't live in Jamestown, well, you can listen from anywhere just go on uh, our website, WRFALP.com. You can stream the station there and uh, listen from anywhere. We got we got listeners all over the world, uh, not just for my program, but uh, everyone else too. Really, really rad station. But you can check that out if you want, if you can't wait till uh, next week for another podcast episode. And also stay connected with the show. We're at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Spotify. I put up playlists each week of the stuff that I play on the radio show there so you can check it out hit me up powercordhour at gmail.com i literally have one powercord hour t-shirt left and i have some uh, pins left so uh, if you want some pins you want a shirt it is a uh, size large hit me up they are absolutely free i'll mail you one out so uh, yeah powercordhour at gmail.com and uh, let me know what you think of the episode too if uh, if you enjoyed it if you're an audio karate fan or if i made you an audio karate fan that's that's what i like hearing even more is people like oh, I didn't really know this band. And then it's like, I, I, I heard you play their song or interview, you know, someone from the band and became a fan like that. That means so much. That's really rad. So I love hearing stuff like that. But it's going to be this week's episode. So for the Power Chord Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening. <laughs>